Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your arrow flight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. The Houseman XP Podcast Network is taking you on the journey. Your host, Master Trainer Heath Hyatt, will combine his decades of experience as a houndsman and as a professional trainer that will light the path forward and make our packs lighter on this lifelong journey to become better hunters and houndsmen. There are no shortcuts, so lace up those boots and grab a dog leash. The journey begins now. Hey guys, the journey on Houndsman XP is teamed up with Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that was made for hunters by hunters. If you guys and gals have listened to any of the other podcasts that I've been on, you know what a huge outdoor enthusiast I am. I love being in the woods with my hounds. There's nothing more exciting than hearing the thunder of a spring gobbler. I love fishing for trout in the brooks and the streams, and I love being on the river chasing that ever-elusive fish of a thousand cast, the muskie. Go Wild is the place that I can post my trophies, hunts, and memories without being censored. But Go Wild is so much more than that. It's a place to share your stories, sharpen your skills, hone your tactics, get gear reviews, and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. Today's journey takes us on a road trip. I headed uh, east across the state of Virginia and come down to the coast and met up with some good friends and got to hunt a couple of days. Um, had a good, good couple of days, actually. I mean, three, look, had three bear Monday and one yesterday and one today, and I don't think you can do much better than that. But I'm here with a good friend of mine, um, Brent Bunch. I call him BB, and nobody down here calls you that. Was that a Wendell Bond thing? It was. I knew it. As soon as I knew it, I was like, that's Wendell. I was like, when I start hard on the radio, I'm like, I bet you guys think I'm crazy. <laughs> so I'm here with Brent, and, and I, think I'm, I think I'm sitting here with a legend, actually, um, from North Carolina, Mr. Doug Temple. And those guys have been good enough to let me come down and and tag along with them and get to see some, you know, some good dog work. And, like, I'm just, you know, blessed that I've got people that let me come and hunt with them. But So how's things on your end, BB? Oh, doing all right. <clears throat> just uh, 
I've just been hunting as much as I can. I mean, you just got back from Maine, mm-hmm. pulled three weeks up there. Yeah. Had a really good, good yep. three weeks. Yep. Got to see some good dog work, see some young dogs progress. So that was always good to see. Yeah. So mm-hmm. somebody on Go Wild, um, Brandon Mitchell, mm-hmm. he, uh, I'd put the bear that you killed Monday on there and tagged you on it and, um, that's what he he said. He said he said, "Man, them dogs were cranking when he left here." So, I mean, three weeks of hunting and you know putting some miles on them. I mean, that'll that'll do it. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll it'll definitely get them a little hardened and and just uh, gets that edge off where they they'll perform a whole lot better and, and more efficiently anyway. Yeah. And Doug, how, I mean, you come up. I mean, you're just right across the line and come up and and hunt. And you and I had talked, and you know, like I said, I think in these parts you're pretty much the the legend around here. I think everybody down here kind of follows you around and takes your advice and learns from you. Um, so I'm glad to be able to to tap into a little bit of that. So I know we just talked about it, but Doug, tell us how long you've been hunting, and kind of go through, you know, how you got into the. I want to hear the five-year-old story. That was really good. <laughs> we, um, first time I ever seen a bear, I was five years old. I was with my father. We were going to my uncle's house. And he uh, had went coon hunting the night before, and he treated a bear, and so he waited till daylight to go in there to kill him. And we met him and went in there, and I was, um, took my BB gun in there, and they wouldn't, I asked him, let me shoot him. No, nah, wait, wait till your Uncle Ed shoots him. He shoots and then you can shoot. So that's what I done, the first bear I ever seen, first one I ever shot. And from then on, my parents and uncles and grandfather all bear hunted and kind of followed in their footsteps, kind of liked it. And it's a, it's a good good hunt if you enjoy dogs, a lot of good dog work and bear hunting probably more so than any other hunting I've done. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about running beagles when, you know, when you were young and then you got into deer hunting and, you know, kind of give me your thoughts on what, you know, what you, you told me about the difference in it. And you and I just talked about what we thought, you know, a true houndsman really don't care about the game actually. That's right. Well, the rabbit hunting and the deer hunting just wasn't, it wasn't much dog work. The deer either running the buck and uh, run him on somebody else's property, you got to catch a dog, or if you run the doe back then, you couldn't shoot a doe, and rabbit hunting just didn't get my heart pumping like bear hunting does, okay. so I uh, just started bear hunting, and I always enjoyed it. They closed season, and we couldn't hunt for a while, and then when you opened it back up, you didn't have but three days, then it got to be three weeks now, so it was worth me starting back in and getting some dogs, so... It's just more of a dog thing to bear hunting is. Most most good bear hunters, dog hunters, don't really care about killing the bear. They'd rather somebody else killing them. And I'm the same way. I'd rather see somebody that hadn't ever killed one or somebody that really wants to kill a big one kill one than me to, to mount him. I hate to kill a 500-pound bear, which I consider a trophy, or a 400-pound bear, and then not mount him, you know, get somebody else opportunity does want to mount him i've got some mounted 600 pounds and i just rather somebody to rather mount him to kill him than i had well speaking of mountain so bb killed a, a monster monday i mean a monster and get home and he's got that thing skinned out and quartered up i mean he looked like he was doing surgery out here on his stainless steel table and 
he said, we're going to take it to the taxidermist. And I said, all right. So I jump in the truck with him and he's not, I mean, I'm telling you, I would have had that thing full mounted. No doubt. No questions. Like that's to me, that's a bear of a lifetime. Oh yeah. I've hunted a long time and seen a many of one that, that size die, but I haven't, that's the first one I've killed that or the biggest one I've ever killed. So, but he went to the taxidermist anyway. He might not be a full body mount. Oh. My house ain't big enough for that. I think the taxidermist, I think he was glad it wasn't a full mount. Yeah, he was having a hard <laughs> enough time skinning out that skull as it was. And you know, we found all the slugs. Yeah. You got all but one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that thing had a head on him that, I mean, it barely fit in. When you say as big as a five gallon bucket, skin, it, with the skin, it wouldn't have fit in a five gallon mm. bucket. Nope. And when he skinned it out, it was able to slide down in the, slide down in there so i mean that was a really really nice bear so so doug <coughs> what um well let me go back to bb B. you've been hunting with doug for a long time and you know i remember god i mean it's been back probably 10 15 years ago when you hunt, hunt you come and hunt with us some and i remember you talking about doug you know what what is it that he has brought to you that you know what? I mean, if you look at him like I do, Pappy, you know Dale. Dale's my kind of my mentor. Mm-hmm. In fact, yesterday when I went to grab something to eat, I called him on the phone, had that conversation me and you had, mm. just so I'm in the right frame of mind. <laughs> you know, uh, so is that how you look at Doug, or is this just a hunting relationship? What do you? Uh, you know, I started started out with the dogs when I could walk with my grandfather and, and deer dogs. Um, then I went away to college and I think I was, I came home, uh, for Thanksgiving and that's the first time I met Doug. We went bear hunting one day and I think that day we we're at a hunt club we had and, uh, I think we ran from the, from the place we turned loose to the place we caught the last dog. It was 15 miles as the crow flies. And then I was kind of hooked. And the next, <laughs> and then Doug let he said, "You want to go the, tomorrow?" I said, "Well, yeah." <laughs> so uh, anyway, so we went the next day, and I killed my first bear. Um, and from then on, you know, I got into competition coon hunting and did that a lot. Yeah, in I know. College. I mean, I'm sitting here looking. You know, so we're sitting in in BB's shop, and I'm looking on the wall here, and he's got a couple coon hides, and you know, I see several several plaques with um which dog is is that the one that's out here that's autumn yeah autumn yeah so your old red bone um you got numerous numerous plaques and stuff with her winning uh high scoring red bone female i guess that was the north carolina yeah southern the state hunt southern days yeah oh yeah red bone days days. um unfortunately there's a picture of wendell bond in here (laughs) and it takes up most of most of your frame yeah (laughs) But yeah, I mean, so you you got you went to college, and is that where you got hooked up with the coon hunting? Yep. So I was coon hunting, uh, probably more than I should have been. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the thought process I had was coon hunting, and then that would eventually lead to the to the bear dogs, and that's what I that's what I've done. I've weaned away from the coon hunting. Um, did that? Enjoyed that a lot. Still enjoy it, but I really like these bear dogs, and and I've looked. Doug's kind of helped me out a whole lot and and taught me a whole lot and uh i don't know i guess i've been working at the bear dogs now for i don't know probably 12 13 years and 
finally gotten to what I have now. It's all thanks to Doug. So, yeah, I think um, you know it's kind of been the same with me. I, I started out in the coon hunting world, and then you know Doug and I had this conversation, and I'm gonna flip it back to him in just a second. Like you can't do both, and I prefer to hunt in the daytime more so now than because I'm you know I'm getting up in age and I don't like fumble through the woods at nighttime, but it's something about the bear hounds that sets a fire in you and that's what you want to do so and doug so talk a little bit about what you and i what you, you and i are talking about about you know if you if you're going to have true hounds you know mm. what, what's your philosophy and how do you look at that well i think if you're going to have good hounds you've got to concentrate on one one set of dogs you can coon hunt or bear hunt up Coon hunt at night, it's hard to do hunt all night coon hunting and then hunt bear hunt the next day and always any kind of dog I've had or anything I do in life, I like to be the best I can be at it. Might not be the best in the world, but I want to be the best that I can be and I want to have the best hounds I can have. And to do that you've got to hunt one particular species, whatever you can hunt and stay after that to have good dogs. I don't think you can deer hunt bear hunt or two different things the time you spending on another kind of hunting you need to be spending on your puppies or whatever to have good dogs yeah and i i mean I, and i i probably left this out when i opened this this podcast up but i think you hunt more than any person i know i think uh the area you're in and you have a year-long season like i you know, I'll keep up with you, and I mean, me and BB talk. You know, in the off season, probably monthly or so. I mean, I, I really like. I'm sure there's other people out there, but not that I know. I mean, you're that you're the person that hunts pretty much year round. Yeah, a lot of times January and February, but we've got them in the snow. We'll be hunting cat hunting or some other kind of hunting. My son's got some cat dogs, and we'll. Uh, I know, just seen you know, a track in the snow one day, and I just wanted to see if the dogs would jump it. So I come back the next day, which would have been a two-a-day-old track, and turned the dogs loose and walked them down there where I seen the track, and they went in there and they bayed the bear. The bear didn't run much, but they did jump him. I just wanted to see. You hear different folks talk about how cold the nose a dog's got, and I just, and I don't know where the dog tracked the bear or trailed the bear, but I seen where he went, and I put her on it, and I walked her ways, and I, Kept on tracking the bear, and everywhere I looked, her tracks were there. She was already gone, and wasn't too long. She come up bayed, and I just wanted to see how cold and those, you know, different conditions would make a dog, how they would do in different conditions. And definitely the snow, I think, probably freezes up and serves the scent a little better than anything else because we don't get much snow around here. And this was like in February, and we'll hunt. I'll hunt two, three, four times a week. When the bears start moving in April, most time about twice, February and March, I'll hunt maybe twice a week and the rest of the time, anywhere from two to four times a week year round. And like now, you might hunt every day. We have three weeks a season we'll hunt every day and we'll go to Maine and I'll hunt three weeks every day in Maine. Yeah, you just got back too, you and... But you and BB were in two different places. That's right. Even yeah. were different places. Yeah. So how how was your trip in Maine? Would you did you have pretty good success? Oh yeah, we, we every day we turned the dogs loose, we killed a bear. So that's what I call successful. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's like a hundred percent success. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Mine. I mean, sometimes I'm just like, okay, well, yeah, I run a bear today, so that was a good day. <laughs> so yeah, I get. And 
I guess it's a little different. I mean, I've been to Maine, and of course we were up kind of in the middle, up north, and it was nothing but like pine thickets you couldn't even walk through. I mean, it was thick where we were at. So, <clears throat> so talk to me a little bit about dogs and what you think. Um, you know, I know your philosophy. Like I said, I've been around you enough now, and I, you know, I see. You know, I see dogs work, and I see what you're carrying. I think dogs are, um, if you got it in them, you got to hunt them to get them out. Nothing too smart about taking a dog hunting. You can tweak them, but if you take him hunting, you can get the trailing and everything else out of them. A lot of people think that, well, I'd take a coon dog. He's a good coon dog. I'd make a good bear dog. But I always tell people, if you want a coon dog, breed to a coon dog. If you want a bear dog, breed to a bear dog. There's I never seen a dog that you could take off of a coon, and some of them will, but if they got it in them, you can hunt them, you'll get it out of them. If they hadn't got it in them, you can't get it out of them. I mean, the grit and the nose and everything else, they got to have it before you can get it out of them. It's not a real big secret to me. Either got it or hadn't. You just got to hunt him enough to get it out of him and tweak the... And he'll learn from you. You know, if you hunt him, he'll learn the way you like to hunt you if you just... We've got some you can road hunt them, walk them along, trot in front of the truck any way you want to. And we've got some if you sick them off and they don't smell it anything, you walk them off a little way, then they'll go on off and they kind of get the idea of what you want them to do. Yeah, I mean, just like I said, just this week, um, you know, it's kind of eye-opener. Well, not so much an eye-opener. I understand, you know, every, every part of the country is different. Um, you know, we hunt a little different at home than what you guys. And I, I was thinking about it today, you know, um, you and I had caught some dogs and then, uh, somebody else went back around where we thought it got through that swamp and put another dog in. I'm like, you know, this is not the way I hunt, but these guys got it down. Like they've got this figured out and they know what it takes to, to, to make a successful hunt. And, you know, I, I, I was sitting back and, I mean, that was the thoughts that was going through my mind is, you know, at home, I wouldn't have done this, but here, this is what it, it takes. And this is, this is how they're successful. Well, all day long. I mean, and that's why I don't like a bunch of people talking on the radio. I'm thinking if we ain't doing anything, just run it over door my mind. If, if he didn't go across that swamp, he went down beside it or went here or went there, you know, you always, running things through your mind to be successful what you instead of just talking about the weather or something other subject you got i know everybody's got that kind of guy that stays on the radio and talks about everything in the world except hunting and and i'm thinking how about shut up i'm trying to figure out something you know i'm trying to figure out exactly where this bear did go or what happened and and that's on my mind constantly and that's and, and that's what I'm there for, to make the hunt successful. That's what I want to be successful. I want, And I have a good time joking around and everything else, don't get me wrong, but when I'm hunting, I'm serious about it, and I'm, that's what's going through my mind, you know, what, which way did he go? But he must have went across the road if he didn't go this way or he went down the road. If he didn't go north, he went south. And all the time, that's what's going through my mind while I'm hunting. Yeah, I mean, process of elimination. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it completely makes sense. And sometimes... When you do have that uh, chatterbox on the radio, it clouds your mind. <laughs> like, I'm with you. I mean, I think every group, even at work, we got people that like to hear themselves on the radio. And I'm sure. just like, just be quiet. Like, I don't need to know all this stuff. This has nothing, no bearing on what I'm doing. 
So, BB, what's your thoughts? Well, I mean, <clears throat> you, <clears throat> when it comes to the dog work, you know, I think you're, you know, you're as a person or a handler is just as important. Like Doug said, you know, it's, you got to, you're trying to, con- I'm trying to concentrate on dogs, what they're doing, how they sound, and trying to interpret it at body language, you know, their barks, what they're doing, um, just to figure out, you know, trying to read them to figure out the situation and trying to adjust what I, my actions to have a successful hunt and catch the bear, get the bear, jump, whatever. Like today, you know, went in there, found that bear, and uh, and just them two dogs there, and, and, and then come back out, and then we went and put back on it and everything like that. Um, you know, so, so you kind of read those situations and know what you got there just based on what the dogs are doing and, and being able to interpret that where some people – would have seen that and they would have thought that them dogs just quit. They weren't doing anything, you know, were messing. Um, and then you send, send dogs back in there and then they, they put one up a tree. You know, it's just a different, it's different here. They're not necessarily going to just go run. Yeah. Uh, and not, it, you know, you have one or two dogs, you know, it takes a lot for one dog to sit there and bay a bear that they can't see. Yeah. And uh, it, that's one thing. I mean, it is so thick. I mean, you know, when you can't, yesterday, I mean, I was, in there and i mean i was 10 feet away and i'm like i could see a white dog poking in and out where's the black at i mean it 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 gets thick and it's it's difficult and it takes a different it takes a dog with some courage and confidence i would i mean I, and like i said when they went back in i mean me and doug was sitting out in that field today and i mean they went in dogs bark boom it was done hmm. um so i mean i thought that was that was pretty quick Doug, what, um, talk to me about a little bit about, you know, how you raise a pup. And I know you do things a little different than, than I can, I can't do what you do, but I think that helps, man, it, it helps you pick out what you want pretty quick, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I spend a lot of time and I observe them a lot when the puppy, say when you open the door, the one comes up there, jumps out first and things like that, or. Sometimes you'll have them in the pen, you turn them out, let them run around, and you'll see a puppy run up, come through the gate and go open. Some of them will run down beside the fence and stand there like, you know, I don't know how to get out of here, you know. And little things like that I notice besides when you start hunting them. Well, I've got a fox pen, and I usually start them on foxes. and got another pen I've got hogs in, and I'll start them on foxes. I, I like to learn a dog how to run something and run something small to foxes. It'll aggravate you a little bit sometimes, but I don't start them on coyotes because I don't want them running coyotes, but we hadn't got many foxes around. So that's really not a problem, but I like to start them on something small and learn them how to run something. Most of the dogs you see, I've seen people turn them loose. They won't pipe to a dog. They run up down the road, don't even, you know, they don't hear them. They won't go to them. I call them them wheelbarrow dogs. You got to put them in a wheelbarrow and roll them in 100 yards of the dogs baying, and then they'll go to them. You know, they won't uh, leave your feet. And, you know, we've got some dogs that they hear a dog bark, they gone right then. You know, they'll be to him in a few minutes if he'll bark enough. And when you hunt them together, they know each other's bark, and if they know one of my dogs, they know they know to go to him quick and do something. So we hunt them in in the pen and then I put them on a hog the main thing on a hog to see if they got a enough grit if they won't bay a hog usually they won't bay a a bird if I've had I never had one if he would if he would bay a hog 
half of them would bay a bear, but if he won't bay a hog, I never had one that would bay a bear that wouldn't bay a hog. And the hogs are a little bit rougher, really, than some of the bears are because uh, the hog will run them sometimes. And I like to, in six months old, I can kind of find that out, and I just move on. I raise about 20 puppies a year, and I get about 10. And I say maybe half of them will make bear dogs, but not exactly the half I want, the kind I want. Maybe two out of the five that are left, I'll sell three of them. They'll run tree and bay, but it won't usually won't trail a little bit, maybe meet them those or something. But I usually sell them and get rid of them and keep the ones that are trailed or bay, either trails real good or bay's real good or quick runs good. If, like I told you about tree dolls, I really don't like a hard tree doll because a lot of times I get them slick tree. And if, I mean, we'll come to the river and the dog goes, you take one dog sit there and bark three or four times, don't want to cross it a pup and they'll sit right down with them in tree. So we hunt some deep water and I just don't care for a hard tree doll because of that. Yeah, but you're you're putting together the other the other the trail and the bay and um, you know like I said I I kind of got humbled yesterday because in in my in our in the country that I hunt I I didn't have the issues that I did yesterday and you know BB and I talked about it you know I, the two dogs that um, had that bear caught yesterday I mean they were just sitting in there just clicking along you know until we could get some more dogs into them and um. You know, I I like I like a dog. I want I want four bear dogs. Right. I don't have it, but I want four bear dogs that can catch a bear, bay a bear, just like those dogs. Stay with it until we can get some help in there or get to it and do it. Um, my expectations are a whole lot more of what than what my that I'm carrying in my truck. I can tell you that. Um, but it's a it's a building process. You know, I I've started rebuilding the pack that I had. Um, back in 2018, 19, yeah, so 19, that's when I I kind of had to start over, and, you know, I'm still not where I want to be. It takes a long time. I tried to get, I wanted, my idea was to get eight of them that would, every one of them would trail and jump a bear, each one of them, and I've got six now do pretty good. i got two young dogs, but I think they're going to trail as they get a little bit older. But that's what I was looking for, to get something that a trail running quick enough, not real slow. You know, I, I don't like a dog that'll sprawl a track and take two hours of jumping. These dogs, if they're just a 10-hour-old track or maybe less, they gonna it's like a running foot to them. They ain't going to be long jumping. I know you've seen by some of them. If they hit it and it ain't, ain't too long for it, they're going to be running something. Yeah, yeah. No, it don't It don't take long, that's for sure, on our, on. You know, like I said, it's just different. I mean, we may trail for a couple miles. Right. You know, y'all are trailing pretty much into a block or maybe cross out and go into another block. And Yeah, we've got the, probably the best hunting in the country because we've got blocks where you can pack a dog in and get a puppy in. If he gets behind, you can go pick him up when he comes to the road and take him to the front again. And it's really beneficial to, you know, keep a puppy, keep him up to the front where he runs, gets behind you, and pick him up where y'all in the mounts he gets behind, he's so far behind, he won't ever get up. He will never get back in that race. And then, like we are, if we tree him or if they catch him, you know, then you can pack the dog in and they'll be there where most of the places you hunt and he gets out of the hunt, that's it for that day. He never gets back in the race. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's very true for our area. I mean, it's 
most of the time they either get in or they don't. And if they fall out, you're going to pick them up after the hunt's over with. And that may require a couple miles of walking. <laughs> so yeah. it's not very fun. BB, when you're, I know you got, you and I, I got, you give me a pup and, you know, you're raising these and you got four or five, six, you got two young dogs in it or seven, eight months old and then some, the ours are five months old, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you, um, I mean, I know what you're going to do, but are you on the same kind of lines with Doug, what you're looking for? And, I mean, you want to, I mean, I know you put them in the fox pen and mm-hmm. let them run. Hey, folks, we're going to take up this conversation right after this short break. I just wanted to take a couple minutes and talk to you about Houndsman XP and, and tell you what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, um, you know, just, just talk to you for a couple minutes here. And, um, you know, so Houndsman XP was formed because there was no voice for the Houndsman in the United States of America, across the world, really. And we came up with a show concept where we could talk about hunting with hounds and why it's valuable and why it's important and and um you know try to move it back into the mainstream conversation about hunting and wildlife management and all the values that we provide everything from taking veterans on on hunting trips to donating to to children's hospitals and all that sort of stuff and it's been a great adventure it's been a great pleasure for for us to be able to bring you this show and the truth of it is it costs money it costs money to produce shows just like this it costs money for us to go on freedom hunters adventures and it costs money to do all of that stuff and i'm not telling you anything new i know that you feel it as much as i do and as much as we do here And I just want to let you know that there are ways that you can support Houndsman XP to make sure that when we take veterans on Freedom Hunters Adventures, then there's money there to do that. And and why is that important? Because it does something bigger for our sport than just social media posts and things like that. We all love hunting. We do. We love to go out and train that young dog and see it progress and do all of that stuff. But we've got to look ahead. We've got to look outside the box. We've got to look at things that will help us keep doing those things. Hunting is under attack. There's no secret there. And the future of our existence as houndsmen is in peril. The reason the animal extremists have been so effective in their attacks and chipping away at our rights one year at a time, one strategic move at a time, is because they seem to have unlimited funding. They have a lot of money. That's just that plain and simple. So Houndsman XP is asking for your help. And there's a couple ways that you can help us. You can fast forward through this and not pay attention and uh, hope that we survive into the future or you can get involved. And one of the main ways that you can get get involved is join us on Patreon. From the very beginning, my main concern was to make sure that I gave Houndsman a great value for their support of this show. And that's why we've partnered with Sportsman's Alliance. When you join us at the truck to tree level and you say, I'm going to stand up for hunter's rights by supporting the Houndsman XP podcast. I'm going to support my rights as a houndsman by supporting Houndsman XP podcast. We are going to pay for your membership to Sportsman's Alliance. When you add all of the benefits that go with that, 
you're looking at about a $70 value. So the math is pretty easy. $12 a month for 12 months is $144. The $70 value you're going to get back, just real money value, coming from Sportsman's Alliance, pays for half of that. We are going to send you merchandise from Houndsman XP, and you can throw in another $35 on that. So now you're up to $105. You're also going to get exclusive access to special discount codes from our sponsors. And say you spend $100 at Dogs Are Treat. You're going to get a $25 price break right there on the equipment that you're using already. So you're up to 130 bucks already. Plus, we're making a statement. You are making a statement by joining us on Patreon. You're driving your stake in the ground and you're saying, I am willing to stand up for the future of this thing that I love so much. It's going to take that, folks. I'm serious. It's The threat is real. And um, Houndsman XP is here to give you the voice and the exposure that you need to be able to march on into the future. And here is how Houndsman XP is going to help us do that. When you support this show, when we can go interview people that are involved in wildlife studies, lion management studies, all that sort of stuff, using our hounds, standing up, supporting kids in children's hospitals and taking veterans hunting, and you support that, and you can show that you've supported that, when your hunting freedoms come under attack with in your state, in your local areas, you have something to show your elected officials to say that we are serving our community as a whole. We are trying to make our communities a better place. We are serious about wildlife management. We are not the bloodthirsty killers that the other side wants to paint us as. We're actually doing something productive here, and all these other people are involved as well, and politicians love numbers and they love that exposure folks i love hunting i love my hounds and i love freedom and i know you do too i really hope that you'll consider joining us on patreon and helping us achieve these goals all you have to do is go to houndsmanxp.com and click on the support tab it'll take you right into our patreon page you can sign up right there And you can put your name on the rolls with hundreds of other serious houndsmen who are willing to stand up for our freedoms. Check it out, folks. Let's get back to this podcast. Yeah, I, um, so for me and and puppies, I like to see them, the brains and I, I'm lucky here. I can kind of turn them loose until they start going too far around the house. So I'll, you know, four months old. Um, that they're running loose the whole time and, and I can watch that. Then I'll take them to the Fox pen and work them in the Fox pen and watch them. And, you know, um, I just pick the best of the best and, and keep moving along. I'm fortunate to be able to, to do that. Um, but it, it, and it makes a difference. And then too, I've been trying to be very selective on what we breed and, uh, and making sure that the crosses that we do make, uh, get into hands that are going to hunt them and hunt them hard and actually put them to the test and actually evaluate them and, and uh, you know, actually, actually you know, um, read them and, and hold them accountable, not think too much of them and actually, uh, uh, you know, say what they're actually doing. Every dog is going to make a mistake or not or have a fault or a flaw or something that you wish could be improved. 
um, and, and trying to work through those traits and is the only way and, and identify them traits and be honest about those traits is the only way to, to try and make better crosses the way I look at it, uh, to make better crosses, um, to try and, and, and enhance the traits that you're looking for. Um, so like these, these pups here, um, it's been a long time to put these, these, these crosses together. Um, and I, I might raise, you know, two to three or four litters a year, but at the same time, the reason to do it is you never know when you're going to lose the opportunity to raise a litter. Um, so if you got that option and you got good crosses, I try to make it work. Um, so like, uh, the, I got some, some seven month olds now, and I think one of them saw their first bear yesterday and she got a little too close, but we're going to see if she goes back next time. But, uh, and then these young, other young ones, I'll, you know, start them along. Um, but they'll all, you know, mess, they'll run a, run a fox or run the pig, bathe the pig, everything like that. And, now, have you had your five months olds on or just your seven? Uh, well, I have not the little ones. So I have some yeah. two that are in between those two that are, I guess they're about six months old. They'll run. Now, I have not had the little ones on there yet. Yeah. They're, they're a little bit small, but yeah, um, I don't think it's going to take much. No. <laughs> no, mine's chasing a 1,200-pound horse around the fields. I am I would be surprised if he didn't want to bay a hog. He wants to bay everything else. Mm. So, But we maybe, maybe later on, maybe first year, we can get him down and see what he'll do with it yeah. for sure. Doug, you and I talked just a little bit before we started. We was waiting on BB, you know, on people's different perception of dogs. And, you know, you, you had said that most people most people have never hunted with a true hound, true bear dog. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I bought them from people that, that talk about how good the dog was and then you buy a puppy from them and then you go hunting with them. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that ain't exactly the dog that I would be breeding. If I, if I breed a dog, I like to breed at least one of the parents that's going to have a good nose. You know, I breed at least one dog, and I try to breed two trail dogs. A trail dog is the hardest thing to find that a trail to get after, and you got to run, jump him before you can run him, so that's the hardest thing to get, and that's why I try to breed the most far. But what a lot of folks call a bear dog, I don't, I just call them just a dog, you know, they just because he'll run a bear and tree him don't make him uh, a bear dog, you know. I like I like I like for him to be able to run one by himself and tree him by himself, bay him by himself, trail him. Not all I can put up with a dog that a trail and not be quite as gritty about baying one because I really don't want him to bay that tight because you don't want your best trail dog cut up all the time. So I give a dog that a trail a little more slack than a wheel. Uh, any other dog that I've got. If he won't trail, he better be a good bay dog. Yeah. Yeah, you and I talked about that. You know, I, I don't think anybody, well, I don't know. I, I've heard people say that if they're not getting cut up, they're not bear dogs, but that's not my thought process. I, I would just assume mine working like a cattle dog. I'd rather mine be like that. I, if, yeah. And I've told several folks, that if he can see the bear, I want him close enough he can see the bear and bark at him. And that's close enough for me because I can crawl in there and I'd see the dog, he's barking, I can go to him. Then I can see the bear and I can get somebody to shoot him. That's right. I don't want him. A lot of folks want him. Oh, I want him right in his face, two foot from his face. I don't want mine that close. I don't want vet bills. Uh, 
veterinarians make a good living and worth a lot of money, and I don't want it to be my money. <laughs> I mean, a man can't. I mean, you, we talked about it. A man can't afford three or four trips to the vet. It's it's eight hundred thousand, twelve hundred dollars a trip if if they've got enough damage. You know, that's right. If I you mean, if he's bad enough, you need to take him to the vet. Most time, it'll cost you between seven hundred and a thousand dollars, and then you can't hunt the dog. Our seasons a week. And then it's two weeks. Well, then you can't hunt him. You might not hunt a dog the whole kill season. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I and I mean, poor folk like me. I mean, I can't. I'm. I mean, I've only got six dogs I'm carrying, and I got one out of commission right now. And then one of them's always in heat, yeah. so I'm down to four. And then if I get one cut up, I mean, I'm down to three. I'm. I would prefer mine not to be the target. <laughs> on the front end of the bear. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. I don't. I don't want any of mine cut. Fighting help. Yeah, and I think you know we, you know, mo- all of us sitting here, you know, if it's if it's minor stuff, we'll take care of it ourselves. I mean, we carry. I got a first aid kit. You know, I've got the betadine washout, and I've got a surgical glue, and I've got staples, and you know, I've got the stuff that I can take care of minor stuff. We do this whole thing. I. I I've always said that a dog's not gritty, he's just stupid. Anytime you'll take a 50-pound dog and thinks he can tackle a 400-pound bear, <laughs> he ain't too smart. You know, he ain't, he ain't gritty, he's dumb. <laughs> he's not using these that pea brain he's got in his head, is he? No. So, B.B., talk to us a little bit about, tell us about Monday. I, I got out of pocket. I went around with Doug, and then Doug had told me to go back around, and the dogs come within 200 yards of me. And um, I got to, I packed one of my dogs, and the other two was already there, and then one of them decided he was going to split. Uh, it's, it's, talk, tell me about that. I mean, I know about it, but it was it was pretty good. <laughs> well, I mean, anytime you start one bear and it seems to run, and then you have a couple dogs fall off and start baying, and uh, <clears throat> it seemed like some of them behind dogs or the, or the running bear just seemed to fall into the ones that were baying and it seemed like more and more dogs were getting there and then we packed it up and there were some guys trying to get in there on it and some other guys trying to head the, the one that was running and um, there was a little bit of chaos there for a little bit with two bears going so close together because you could hear both races and not have to be in one or be in one spot. And, um, but anyway, so... Uh, the little bear crossed crossed out, and uh, <laughs> sure enough, I had some dogs, and I wanted to pack them to the to the bigger bear, or, I, or what I assumed was a bigger bear. It was just walking and baying, and packed it. I figured it'd turn it back on the guys that were in there on it already, and I need to say he walked right out to the path or to the road to me. Yeah. Thank the Lord, <laughs> because I don't know. Well, you got that winch thing yeah. that you carry around but there's no way we could have got that thing out of there if it's too far oh the winch the that, winch would have had to oh yeah yeah no that winch is the ticket no nope. yeah no matter where he is you just gotta get a rope to him well we we talked about that in our group you know i'm like everybody needs to put a little bit of money besides so we can buy one of them things because a lot of times we tree down off you know on the north of the mountains and you know it's straight up and down around ledges and cliffs and most of the time, we end up having to take them down mm-hmm. because even if it's two hundred yards up, it's just not worth the the energy that you're going to put into it. Yeah, before before the winch, it was a man train, a cut a path and a rope and six or eight men and pull. Yeah, and that was a that was a job. Well, I see. I walked in with Wade uh, yesterday, 
was it yesterday? No, Monday. We treated that second bear, and he had that machete mm-hmm. strapped on his back. And I'm like, well, that's the man I'm going behind if I need to. <laughs> he can bushwhack as a trail going through there. But it was pretty nice that the guy let us in. And, I mean, we had a path literally right to the tree. I mean, little crossing bridges, crossing the creeks, and uh, that was really, really, really nice, easy walk there. Mm-hmm. So I'll take those all day long. <clears throat> Doug, what um, what do you think about? Um, well, that's not a very good example. I mean, I like, I like, I like the way. You, you start your dogs. Um, and I told BB the other day when we were walking that block yesterday that I could tell, he you know, I, I, I free cast my dogs, but they pretty much stay with me because if they check out, they're over a ridge or down a hall, I can't get dogs. But I noticed your guys, you just turn yours loose and, like, they go hunting. And do you contribute that to putting them in the pen and having to go find the fox after they get in there and they start realizing that if I go looking that that makes them go hunt like what they, I mean, they hunted that block out pretty good. Yeah, I think a lot of it's, a lot of it's bred into them and a lot of it's the uh, the way you train them, the way you hunt them. They, working around the fox pen makes a big difference because they learn on their own to go, you know, to go looking for something or smell it out in the road. You'll see them, and that's the way I judge a puppy a lot of time. You'll see them go down the path and all of a sudden they'll throw the nose in there and go to wind and then, most of the time, you go over there and 50 yards and might get after a fox. And that's what you look for in a young dog. You figure you got something pretty good then. And some of them will go hunting. They figure out out a while, well, you know. And most of the time, when they do, though, to get a little whiff or something, they'll smell something, and then they'll go to looking a little bit harder then. But they most of the time will hunt a block. If you look at a block when we uh, hunt it, most of the time, they'll go through here, go through there. They'll hunt. They'll smell something. Might not be a very particularly, but they'll smell something go off looking a little bit. They won't bark, but you'll see them come out the other side and all. But I think a lot of it's in the breeding, and a lot of it's the way you hunt them, too. Yeah, like I said, I, I mean, BB's a little female. She hunted out pretty pretty good. And I mean, like I said, I know, uh, I don't even know who took your dogs on the other side. Maybe Hunter. I don't yeah. know. But, you know, they, I mean, I didn't lay eyes on them. I mean, I didn't lay eyes on them. And, but they didn't, blo- they didn't blow out the country. But at the same time, you know, they weren't at your feet either. So I think I told I told BB, me and he was walking, and I said, you know, I, I can see the benefits of that, that pen, you know, having these dogs getting out and checking and checking and checking. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that pen's a good indicator, but you got to think they're only in there till they start running. Right. And then that's, so I think that it's more like Doug was saying, it's more the breeding than anything and the hunt, how you hunt them outside then i don't think the pen has anything to do with how they hunt i think it's how you hunt them from then on uh-huh. how you how they hunt because you know that's just how we let them hunt with you know if they smell something we kind of give them the benefit of the doubt to go work it on their own and and you know like like doug said they, they might not bark but they're going to get a whiff of something and, and check it out further I, so i mean i think it's more along the lines of um uh, how we hunt here is just so much different. And we're able to let them get further out because we can pack to them easier. We can get around to them. We can, um, but you know, in Maine that has bit me where they go, you know, I'm going one way with one dog that's close to me and the other one's going off hunting where that one's the one that gets after the bear. Then you kind of got to go around a big block 
mm. and you can, or you can't get no dogs to them. Um, so I think it's just different ground and how they hunt and then kind of being able to watch them and tell and listen. If you can hear them, and see, that's where you are. If they go over a ridge and you can't hear them, you don't know what they're doing. Um, so that, that's kind of, I don't know that the pen has, has the biggest to do about that other than evaluating whether a dog will go hunting mm-hmm. you know, or a puppy has that desire to go hunting. And then after we find that it has that desire and, and is able to run something, then it don't go back in there. Right, right, it, yeah. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're on, you know, then he's put on bear and out in the real world. Well, I noticed, and I, I mean, some of the guys that I hunt with, we've talked about this, you know. I used to get my dog started on coon, you know, because we, we can coon hunt 10 months out of the year, maybe even all year now. I don't even know what it is in Virginia. But I can coon hunt. I can't hunt at the house mm-hmm. but three months. So I tried to get my young dogs trailing. I want to see what they trail. And... I'd get them running and treeing, and then I'd just do exactly what you're saying. I'd flip them, and then we go bear hunting, and then that's it. And I've stopped doing that. I'm not coon hunting uh, my dogs. I'm not getting them running and treeing by themselves on a coon at a young, you know, at that eight, ten, twelve weeks old, or months old, whatever it is. And I noticed that they don't hunt as wide or as far. But again, I keep a pretty good tab of my own mind because, like I said, they get 400 yards where I'm at. They may not, we may not hear them. Mm-hmm. I was like yesterday or uh, Monday, we were sitting three quarters of a mile from them dogs' treed, and we could yeah. hear them as plain as day. Mm-hmm. And then when Wade and me, Wade and Wayne went into the tree, we were within 300 yards of them, and you could barely hear them. Mm-hmm. Depends on which way the wind's blowing, what it mounts through there. Yeah, that's what Wade said. Yeah. He said the wind must be shifting. Makes a lot of difference, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, you could hear them like you could. The only way you could hear dogs three quarters of a mile at my house is if you're on, they're on top of the mountain and you're on the bottom, or vice versa. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just that's just not usually by the time they're four hundred yards, maybe five, you're out of it. Like it's you're not you're not hearing them. When I was in my teens, that's what my father and my uncles would do. They they lose the dogs. We had blocks. Now we probably got 20 miles of roads in them. Then they didn't have any. They'd ride around at nighttime and get the wind right and hear the dogs treed in the daytime, you know, just different noises. You couldn't hear them. Wind would calm down at nighttime. You'd ride around and hear them treed. The next morning they would go to them. Yeah, you said that's what they did on the bears. Right. That's right. That you shot at at five, yeah. What was your first, what was the first dog that, that you owned that, left at um that imprint or the first dog that you had that that you always kind of go back to i had a dog named sam one time was one of the first what i called is a whole litter with my uh we quit bear hunting my father and my uncles and all quit they had one old jip left and my uncle bred her and it was four dogs out of that litter and you could kill a bear with either one of them four dogs and they had a the best trail dog was the dog I called Sam. He was a black and tan, and one of them was a red dog. But the bear killed him, but he would get after a bear. But the Sam dog, would, we would get out of one, and we got out of our sow and cub one day and didn't want to, didn't try to catch him off and couldn't. And he, I reckon just him and one more dog baited for half a day just by herself. And that's the first one that kind of opened my eyes that what a dog supposed to be, you know. I've had a bunch of them since then that, didn't add up to him and most of the time if 
And he wasn't real quick. And the only reason we got quicker dogs now is about going to Maine. You some of them bears up there is running. Now, if I was, I tried to breed where I could catch every bear that I put out there in Maine. That's what I done. But about every year, one of them beat us out. You know, one bear to get out of one of them runners that'll beat you out. And so, I tried to breed a little more speed into the dogs to do it. So. Do you remember what your black dog was? He registered? Do you remember? Nah, he was just some mixed up dog? stuff, some old stuff. They would. When my family was uh, first started hunting, they would, nobody had much money, and everybody had two or three dogs. And the community dog, they'd go around and borrow everybody's dog to go <laughs> hunting. My uncle, when he sold out, he didn't have a six dogs, but my dad'd have four or five. This one to have two or three. This one would have one. They'd go around and. If you weren't going, I'd get your dogs to go, you know, that kind uh-huh. of stuff. They had one, the old Joe Key dog, one to ask you, Morgan dog, every who owned a dog, that's what they named him. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so did your dad bear hunt or he just? Yeah, he bear hunted. He bear hunted. Yeah. Yeah. He bear hunted until they closed the season. And, and that then, was it before 80? Yeah. I was trying to think exactly when, probably in the 70s, early 70s, probably when they closed the season. When was the bear pop? I mean, I know we're in a different location, but was the bear population that good there then? How the wildlife? Well, just just to show you where it was, about three years before that, they had an open season in Camden County. You could hunt them year round. Oh wow! <laughs> and then three years later, they closed the uh, eastern part of the state because, or our part of the state, because they didn't have enough bears. Well, if you have it open all season, I guess that's why, wasn't it? <laughs> well. Uh, they hunted hunting season, but they farmed, so they didn't do much hunting in the summertime. They had a roasting ears, corn got roasting ears on it. Then they would uh, hunt the corn fields then, but they never hunted January through April. Well, most of them farmed, and they would be busy from April right on until you got out of crops. Right, and then that, that's when the season come in. and they're, they're Yeah, as soon as the crops, and then... yeah. Season would be in in October. Usually come in October the fifteenth, last till January the first. Instead of shorten the season, they just close it all together. And I reckon it could have been a big could could have been a good thing that they done it. But the bears wasn't going to get extinct. We had too big a territories. You know, you couldn't uh-huh. kill them all. I mean, we there was enough bears to have a huntable population. I don't know. But what they done, they made them spread out over the whole eastern part of the state, some of the county. We were out around the Dismal Swamp, and there was plenty of bears there, but on the outer edges, this made them, well, come like to here, like, you know, 20 miles inland is where they mm-hmm. come, 30, 40, 50 miles. Places where they used to didn't have bears, one once in a while, the Chowan River Basin had some, but they kept, you know, get migrating west east to west out of the park and you got the bears in north carolina you got them on the east coast and on the mountains and they kind of went going in between now they scared they're gonna get around raleigh you know where you got mm-hmm. a lot of traffic and a lot of people and have bear problems so yeah wade and i was talking yesterday or monday um what what is today maybe it's wednesday i don't even remember what day it is <laughs> i keep saying monday <laughs> um we were talking and you know, I told him, I was like, you know, I've been I've been hunting about twenty eight bear hunting twenty eight years, and I don't remember the bear population where we're at right now being nowhere near what it is. In fact, 
um, 20 years ago, uh, I used to go down on the coast in Wilmington and hunt with a guy. And you still didn't hear about, like, what you guys are doing here now. No, it's... I think the feeding them and the baiting them got a lot to going with the bears. I mean, we see three and four bears. When I was a boy, if we treat a sow most of the time, they would have just one cub. Now we see three and four mm-hmm. consistently, you know, two all the time. Hardly ever see a bear with one, and that's all we ever seen years ago was a sow would have one cub. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, back in the the late 90s, um, when I was just learning and trying to figure things out, I mean, I I went a whole season, December and didn't catch a bear. Right. Couldn't even find a bear track in the snow. That's and, right. But I didn't I didn't understand enough to know that you can't hunt this one place every day. You got to move if they're not there. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't I didn't it didn't dawn on me. I was just glad to be going hunting. <laughs> and plus, I didn't get to hunt all the time. Like I you know I didn't have the time off that I do now but yeah it's kind of strange how the bear has just kind of not multiplied but how they've just stretched out I mean we got you know places at home in the farmland I mean you never seen never seen a bear and now they're eating people up right I think a lot of that like I say is debating but a bear's bred in July and August and they don't conceive till December and if they got a lot of fat and they're real healthy then they'll have three or four cubs and if they're poor they they tell me that they'll abort you know they won't have any if they're mm-hmm. poor not healthy so i think feeding them is and most of the bear hunters are trying to not kill the sows i mean that's the way we try not to target and we'll look at the game cameras helps a lot if we we'll hunt a place and all you got left is a small bear or a sow bear then we won't hunt that anymore that year you know hunt another spot so we kind of just our group and some of the other ones, I feel like the same way. Some of them shoot at everything to see, but a lot of the bear hunters have got to kind of, they trying to get the population up and doing that. And the more it's like anything else, it just runs out other parts of the state, north, south, east, and west. It'll go, they've got to go somewhere, you know, so that's, I think that's what happens. Yeah. What do you think, B? Well, I mean, here, you know, in Virginia, you know, you got the agriculture. I mean, and, and when I was a kid, you didn't have, you didn't see bears. You might in the springtime, you might have saw a track go across the plowed field or something like that. But and and people would take a mold of it just because it was so rare. But uh, I think the dismal swamp caught on fire. I think it was in the late two thousands, and after that, I think it pushed them out and established a. And that population, I think, has just moved west and, you know, into agricultural lands, you know, here in Virginia specifically. Um, you know, so, you know, we're fortunate here to have what we have. Um, you know, it allows us to, to be able to to, to hunt them uh, so, and have a huntable population and, and a good population every year and, and everything like that. So it, it's definitely a benefit. Yeah, you know, and I know that the, the the agricultural plays a big part in the size. Like you know, you and I had talked. I mean, at the house we caught two decent bear in two months, um, and everything else was in that eighty to one hundred and twenty five pound range. We may have got one hundred thirty or forty. I don't know, but you know, just the size difference alone, like, is just mind boggling. Because I'm not, I don't see the acorns here. <laughs> Like at the house, 
Um, and you got a few out here in your driveway, but I mean, they're like marbles at the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the chestnut oaks are down, the white oaks are dropped. Haven't seen a whole lot of red oaks. Um, all the fruit, and I talked about this before, all the fruit, the grapes are, are everywhere. Um, apple trees were hanging over, pear trees were hanging over. I just haven't seen that type of um, season mm-hmm. for food at, at our place like it is this year. I bet you'd come down here and I don't see the food like that, but you have the beans and the uh, peanuts. peanuts. And that's the big, I guess that's the big. Yeah, they love they love the peanut and corn. Yeah. And they'll eat the soybeans too. Yeah. So they'll eat it all. But uh, they really like them peanuts before they get picked. So what happens <laughs> after your crops get picked? Like, do they do they move to a different location, or do they just kind of hang, hang out? How, do, how does that work here? They'll do both. They'll feed in the peanut fields right on through the winter. You'll see where they go out there and scrap, dig up, you know, where the combines didn't dig everything or, or whatever. But they'll still feed them. and Then they'll move to other feeds, too, but they'll still... They'll still scrap those fields mm-hmm. right on through. Um, corn, you'll see where they go and, and scrap corn fields. And, um, yeah, the field me and you were sitting in, it had a lot of ears. Yeah. You know, a lot of corn still laying mm-hmm. where they had. They scrapped that, and we've got um, one good thing about this <laughs> thick ground, all these briars, they got a little berry on all of them, and they stay on there about all winter long. You'll see them eat them. And then they got what we call a gallberry bush. It's a little bush about waist high, and it's got, they're green now, but they're turned black, and that's where they eat on them during the wintertime, too. It's mostly in kind of a swampy-type land, Pocosa-type land, them gallberry bushes grow. But they're pretty relevant around here. You see right many of them, so that gives them something to get it in. Then, you know, it's not too bad of a winter, and they'll come out in the spring and graze wheat and stuff like that. So... That's one reason our bears are so big. They got something to eat. Probably other than January, February, they'll lose some of that weight. They'll just lay around. But that's, you're talking about two months compared to a lot of places. You know, November they go up and don't come out till April or May, something like that. So we probably got four more months of eating that they will do, and that makes them grow and be bigger and be more healthy. Yeah, I mean, our, like I said, this year's the, the food crop's good. Bear will probably be out most of December with us looking at the food crop. Um, but, you know, if our food's not good, after that second week, it gets, you know, it gets slim pickings for right. us. It's it's hard. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a big difference. And I've seen a bunch of pokeberry. I don't, I, mean, I think it was where you was and I was sitting in that drainage. There was some pokeberries. I haven't even seen any pokeberries at the house. But the area that I've been hunting is not loaded with them either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just may have missed them, but they were ripe. Yeah. I mean, they were, there was a gob of them down that little drainage mm-hmm. that we were sitting in. Well, guys, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys letting me come down and, and tag along. I mean, I, I enjoy it. Um, I like to watch dogs work. I learn some stuff about my dogs I don't particularly want to learn. <laughs> so... <laughs> It is what it is. That's part of the process, right? Just yeah. gotta figure it out and move on. But Doug, is there anything you want you want to say? Leaving? I mean, I, like I said, I, I mean, I know you've been doing this for years and years and years, and you know, even before I come down here, you know, I'd heard your name fifteen years ago from from BB, and 
Yeah, I've enjoyed hunting with you now and nothing else. I just I just enjoy talking to anybody that likes the bear hunt or likes dogs as much as anything. That's just kind of more of a dog man than I am a bear hunter, and I just enjoy working with dogs, working with young dogs, and seeing them progress is really what I enjoy the most. Yeah, I, there's no doubt that that's, like I said, that's what drives me. I, I, I hate to say it, but when you have that, you raise that pup up to he's catching his own game, um, then you need to find the next one because that's like, okay, I got him going. Let's do this. Let's, no, you know, right. let's, let's move it. So, baby, what about you? Oh, no, I mean, I don't really have anything else. I mean, we've, I just enjoy the dog work and watching the pups too. I mean, I like the, I like getting into the crosses and watching the traits or trying to figure out what traits are going to work and uh, trying to make these litters that produce, you know, a higher percentage than than say normal of uh, pups that turn that are capable of turning into a bear dog. So, I mean, and, and in order to figure that out, you got to hunt them and you got to get them to people that do hunt them. So, um, that that's my biggest my biggest. That's what I like to do. And we try to study breeding dogs. A lot of folks just breed the best two dogs they got, you know, or best two in the crowd, but. We're traveling a long ways to breed to a better dog or to get a puppy off of a good bred dog. And a lot of people, like I say, they just looking for, you know, every what they got next door or whatever. And if somebody's got something better, I'm going to try to get some of that breeding across with mine in order to get the best dogs I can get. But I think, I think that goes back to what the conversation we had just a little while ago is the difference in opinions on dogs. You know, everybody has a different opinion. And, you know, if you're striving to be the best, you know, you have to look outside the box. And, you need, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're exactly like me. I'm not going to go breed to him unless I can hunt with him and see him go. Because I want to see what I'm, what I'm getting into. And then I want to know about his, his brothers and sisters and his, his parents. And I, I want to know some of that lineage. I know BB and I talk about that quite a bit. Um... You know, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm with you guys and I'm kind of, I'm looking for, so I named my pup after two months of having him at the house and not figuring out what I, we was going to name him. We went all back and forth on him, but so we ended up calling him rogue cause he's a little rogue. <laughs> he is a persistent little devil that, um, I cannot let him run loose. He's five months old. I cannot let him run loose at the house now if I'm not there because, He's either in Travis's cows trying to round his bull up or he's over with Chloe's horses, putting him, putting them down at the barn. Um, so my neighbors, thank the Lord, they're good neighbors and <laughs> don't fuss at me too much, but uh, I don't want to cause them no damage either. So I called him Rogue and uh, I mean, I'm excited to get him, you know, this time next year, I hope to have him down here and, and see what he's doing and mm -hmm. You know, hopefully he'll be trailing. I've got to do better about getting my dogs trailing. That's that's the thing that I'm lacking. Um, you know, you you and I talked about it yesterday. I, I'm not giving my dogs the opportunity. Um, of course, in September, for us, we do a lot of rigging, and everything comes off the rig pretty hot and gone. Yeah. And um, it's kind of like what you said, BB. I think, you know, the way we hunt our dogs programs them into what they do and don't do. And I want my dogs to take a, a good hot track off the rig. Mm -hmm. But also in December, um, I want them, when, we come, when I'm walking and I've walked to AT for eight or 10 miles, I want them to take a track and, 
and move on with it. And I don't have that right now. I mean, I just don't. Yeah. So, you know. That's probably the hardest thing to get is the trailing in a dog mm-hmm. that I've found. Yeah, it can take years for it to come out. And a lot of times we'll put them on a young dog. We'll put them on a four-hour-old track, then we'll wait. Sometimes we'll, like training season, instead of turning on a four-hour-old track every day, we'll go find a 10-hour-old track and put them on that instead of just a hot track all the time. If that's if you're just going to rig all the time, you're not going to get a trail dog, you know. Right. No, you're exactly right. And, uh, I mean, that's, like I said, that's something I hope, you know, and, and you guys letting me come down here, I hope to be able to, to build on what I'm doing with that. I mean, that's because, like I said, I'm not, it's different, it's different, it's different. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't, I don't have to get in the woods much at the house in August and September because they're crossing into the timber cuts and the power and, and if you go, if you'll find a creek and ride a road along a creek, they're going to get water. Um, so it works out really well, especially getting young dogs going because they're getting hot track after hot track. But I don't want to depend on a hot track. I don't. I don't want that. And a lot of the guys, I mean, we've all heard them say, you know, I don't care if my dog. I don't care if my dog's got a hot nose. There's so many bear. I don't need it. <laughs> Come third week of December, where I hunt, you may need it, mm-hmm. and I want it if I need it. So that's just my thought process, but I've got to do better. Um, I, I need to do better getting my young dogs out and giving them opportunities, you know, like what you guys are doing, getting them running in tracks. And I don't care what it is, getting them running those tracks. And then, you know, for you guys, the, the hog, um, like I said, I hope to be able to get down and, and work mine a little bit and kind of see where I'm at with what I've got going on. But... Guys, I again, I appreciate you letting me come down and and hunt. Um, I enjoy it. I mean, it's so it's a lot easier than the house, other than walking through the swamps. And BB last year told me, I said, "Hey, what do I need to bring?" He said, "Ah, oh, you don't need to bring that. Just come on." And this year, I brought my my hip waders and my bib overalls, my briarproof pants. <laughs> he left me. He had to give me a pair of chaps last year, and they come up to my knees. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, like we end every session, you know, thank thank you for helping us teach, train, and learn. Thank you.